Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. Today, we are going to be diving into all things training camp. That's right. It is officially started. Recording this on a Wednesday, the Falcons held their very first training camp practice this morning. So joining me on today's show to talk about that and kind of dive into what we can expect from the rest of training camp, all of that good stuff, is going to be Mike Rothstein of ESPN. He's been on the show several times before. One of the best guys covering the uh, the Falcons beat. So informative, so knowledgeable. Um, so definitely excited to share all of that with you all today. Um, bit of news coming out so far with training camp. Caleb Huntley released after um, with a failed physical designation. Clayus Campbell not starting uh, training camp with the team, although it does seem like that could be coming to an end sooner rather than later. Kyle Pitts back after... Uh, Last season's knee injury looks great out there so far by by all accounts moving well. Feels, you know, really close back to uh, the 100%. So that's awesome news on the injury front. Um, but it's still really early, right? Long way to go. The number one thing is just stay healthy. Um, so again, talking to Mike about a bunch of the main storylines coming out of training camp so far. But it's just day one, which means there's a long road to go. And we're going to be here to cover all of it for you guys here on Believe in Falcons. Going to mix in Ovi. Going to hopefully get some audio from some players. I'm going to be uh, making my first foray to training camp on Friday and Saturday. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. And then I should mention Friday night down at Sweetwater Brewing for those who are here in the Atlanta area. Uh, I will be joining the great Falcoholic crew. Kevin Knight, Dave Choate, um, Gina Thomas. Adnan Ikich, um, all of the amazing people who do great work over there. We're going to be down at Sweetwater um, starting at six o'clock. So please come on out if you guys are Falcons fans to kind of kick off and celebrate the start of training camp, the start of a really fun, what should be really fun, hopefully 2023 season. Um, so going to be, I'm not sure if we're going to do the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast, Falcoholic Live, all of that good stuff down there. I think they're still trying to figure out what the capabilities are. But regardless, come out, share your thoughts, chat it up with me, chat up with Kevin, everybody. Um, it'll be a lot of fun. So I just wanted to spread the news about that a little bit. For those of you that are watching on our YouTube channel, Believe in Falcons, I apologize for the lighting situation. Uh, we had some storms come through the Atlanta area last weekend. Really, really bad. I messed up our power, I guess. So now our lights are just flickering in the house randomly. It's really, really annoying. It's like we have strobe lights just going on all over the house. Our internet kind of keeps shutting on and off. Not fun, man. That was a, that was a nice flicker. So good timing light. <laughs> all right. Don't want to keep this intro too, too long. We don't have like an open or anything for you guys today because camp's here. That is the focal point. Um, so let's go ahead and get on into my conversation with Mike Rothstein. But first, BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games, which are available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online, 
where the game starts. All right, here's Mike. All right, I am very excited to be joined now by ESPN's Mike Rothstein, friend of the program. He is uh, excellent at all things Falcons coverage, and he has been up there all day today in Flowery Branch watching the Falcons up close and personal. So he is here to break it all down for us. Mike, how you doing, man? Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join me. I'm good, except I'm already offended by three things. Good. Well, let me have them. That's, well, what, first, that's what you're here for. You, you made it sound like I'm only good at Falcon stuff. Uh, I think I'm a better, uh, based off of other things, I think I, I'm, I'm, I I cover other things here, Will. We both know this. It's why I'm Amazing never Amazing stamp collector. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't collect incredible stamps. Incredible at racquetball. Like you're, yeah, you're yeah, just, I don't uh, play you're an enigma. I'll just break my eye. You're, you're, you're killing me here. Also, I'm distracted by your map because I'm staring at Argentina and Chile on your map, which I love your map, but it just makes you want to go back to Argentina or Chile where I was less than a week. So that's just a humble brag. I'm me kind of puffing my chest a little bit. Uh, that's awesome. I'm no, staring was... at your map and I'm, I'm more excited about the map than talking about the Falcons. Like, let's just, let's just jump in there. Well, I mean, uh, comparison wise, like one day of training camp based on what, like nine days down in, in Argentina. So, I mean, it, if we're doing a math thing, yeah, you're way more, your allegiance is way more down there in uh, the very tip of, of South America. But how was that trip? I mean, how oh, was... It was... No, it was actually incredible. Argentina is awesome. Uh, if, you, if you have any opportunity to go to Buenos Aires or go, go to anywhere in Argentina, I highly recommend you go. Same with Chile. Santiago is gorgeous. Uh, it reminded me a lot of Denver, but like if you like skiing, you can go skiing in the mountains. I can't. Yeah. I can't ski anyway. But I also am coming off a knee surgery, so it was not advisable. Um, but no, South America is beautiful. It was winter, so this has been a this has been like a being out there today. It was like a hundred <laughs> degrees at some point today, and I mean that like is a forty degree difference from what I was dealing yeah, with in Argentina. So my body is also like I hate you. More than it does normally, um, you know. So, uh, yeah. So that's that's where we are. But no, it was a great trip. I highly recommend anybody who has any interest in international travel. If you haven't been to art anywhere in the Southern Cone, specifically Argentina or Chile, uh, highly recommend going there. And if you are listening to this podcast and you follow me on Twitter or on Threads or on Instagram, all at Mike Rothstein. Uh, I'll gladly give you recommendations if you go anywhere there. I'm at 33 countries now that I've gone to. Wow. Uh, and and in, rea in reality, I probably should just be like a food and travel writer instead of doing this. Like that. That's the goal, right? I mean, like I, I feel. I think it's the goal of like every journalist. Like, and any journalist that tells you differently is, is I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that I was going to uh, get me in trouble, so I won't say it. There you go. That and covering golf. I feel like are the two just two like go to you got it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I would like to cover some golf, but I would not want to do golf. The locations. No, the oh, don't get me wrong. All this stuff's like, great. The travel's yeah. a good part, but those are long days. I mean, they are. Yeah. Like I covered, I covered, used to cover the Indy 500. I used to cover NASCAR uh, a little bit, like when it would come to Indy or go to Chicago or Michigan when I lived in Indiana. And I mean, you know, like I would get to know some of those people who covered NASCAR as a beat. And I mean, you're on the road every week. Like you're in the mm -hmm. place you live. Like what? Like it doesn't even make sense to have a place. Yeah. Like yeah. Like in today's, you're just on the road. In, in today's day and age, if I did that every week, I wouldn't even have a home base. I just like digital nomad. Like my home base would be like a storage shed on my brother's property in in North Carolina. I mean, it it is a nomadic lifestyle, right? Which is why I think that the best case scenario would be kind of those bigger tournaments and and maybe the more prestigious ones, but 
you beggars can't be choosers. If if I no, want to be I, in the golf beat, sorry, I'm going to go wherever they uh, wherever they tell me to. Um, yeah, we've now already got the, as as typically when I come on Believe in Falcons, uh, we've already gone off the rails, and people are like, "Why am I listening to this?" Well, let's get to some Falcons, Will McFadden. Well, I mean, I, I wanted to ask about your, you know, your knee surgery and your recovery, but I guess I'll just ask about Kyle Pitts's my, knee surgery yeah, and my, his well, recovery instead. My, my <laughs> knees are close. Uh, I've been cleared for all activities. There you go. Uh, I, I'm at training camp full go, and I, I'm looking forward to getting back out there uh, and, and writing well with my knee. My knee is very excited to to write. It's it's going to be you know it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> Kyle Pitts did practice today on Wednesday. Uh, I was not surprised. I was not surprised at that, honestly. I mean, everything it seemed to be trending that way. A couple of weeks ago, Kyle Pitts had even put on their, you know, no pup or whatever. I actually mm-hmm. asked him about that, and he said that that he kind of downplayed it and said that it was kind of not really a message. But I got the sense it was a message. It was a message. Uh, but you know what? But once you saw Kyle Pitts out there golfing a lot and posting a lot more and, and having his golf tournament, you got the sense okay, he's getting back. And Mm -hmm. he even said today that he was watching on the inside, like he was inside watching during OTAs, during minicamp, which confirms that he was there, which was a question. And it it confirmed a lot of what I had heard, which was that they were just going to be really smart with Kyle Pitts. Like there was no need for him to be out there in the spring. So why do it? And the fact that he wasn't on pub, the fact that he went through individuals today, went through some seven on seven work today. I did not really see him do anything in team. But they did a lot of run-heavy stuff in teams, so why put him out there? You know, right. there's there's no point in that right now. And yeah, I, I thought he looked all right. You know, uh, I saw someone posted, "Oh, he's got a limp." I, I not nothing noticeable that I, that I saw, like super noticeable. Maybe I, I'm coming off of a you know torn meniscus and all that, so I know what a limp looks like. Also, I'm 42, not 22 <laughs> or 23. How old are old? 23. Um, yeah. So. You know, maybe I look at it a little bit different, but I didn't. I didn't notice him being any worse for wear. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to to get back up to speed. And he even said that after practice that he's quote unquote close mm-hmm. to to being back to his peak, but he's not there yet. So I'm very. He's going to be one of the storylines at camp. I would be very surprised if they played him in the preseason at all. I, I don't know what the value would be there, but I could also see an argument for getting him out there a little bit in like p2 or something like that but the you know the, the first real key for him will be the joint pra- i think once pads yeah. come on and then the joint practices with miami and how he gets through that and i think that'll be the case with a lot of these guys especially some of the older guys like a calais campbell like a cordero patterson yep. and, and guys who are coming off of injury like a kyle pitts to to kind of get a sense of where they are this is something that they, you know, since Arthur Smith has really been here in Atlanta, it does seem like they've made it a priority to err on the side of the player's well-being when it comes to an injury situation. Do you sure. do you think that's more been, and I say this knowing full well that the Falcons have been in the playoff mix, but not necessarily like really, really in the playoff mix yeah. the last couple of years, but do you think that approach will change at all if in 2023 they really find themselves, you know, they're leading the division, they're in the thick of it in the NFC kind of come later on in the year and they've got some guys who have been dinged up throughout the season. You know, do you think they'll be a little bit more, not aggressive because that's too strong, but just a little bit more, hey, we need you guys out there? Or do you think they'll continue to take this, we're putting the player first, whatever is best for them, their timetable, 
we're on board with it. I think I'll be more of the second because I would argue at this point, I feel like the Falcons have been uber conservative as in like not only like airing on the side of the player, but like super adding on being on the side of like the player being a hundred, a hundred percent, maybe more than they needed to Mm -hmm. type of thing where, yeah, if they're in the playoff hunt, then maybe, you know, if a guy is is ready but not like, you know, training camp level, like, you know, coming back fresh, yeah. ready, then, then I think you can see it. And it's going to depend on the player too, right? Yeah. It's not like this is some sort of blanket statement because every player is different. Every mm-hmm. every human is different. You know, a player like Cordero Patterson, who we've seen injured and then come back the last two seasons, to me, he's going to push to get himself out there because that's just him, man. Like, yeah. You know, but but maybe, you know, even a little more so uh, where other players, they're good. They, they have they have to be comfortable with what they're doing and comfortable in their own bodies in order to perform well. And that's going to be the most important thing. Like, the worst thing you can do, whether you're in the playoff hunt or not, is force a player out there when they're not fully comfortable on uh, if it's a leg, you know, running or if it's a shoulder right. and you're a defensive back hitting or, or flipping your hips and, and being able to, to lift your arm up to defend a pass. If you're not confident in that, why would you put them out there anyway? Because all they're going to do is think, and then they're going to be prone to mistakes. I don't know, care how good they are. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, so to me, I, I think, I think they take the same approach. It, maybe it's just a little bit less like Uber conservative and more just conservative. I, I don't ever get the sense they're going to force guys out there just to, to force them out. Yeah, no, I, I don't think this is going to be, what was it, Varsity Blues, Friday Night Lights, I always get those two uh, mixed up where, you know, the um, John Voight, yeah, so I guess that would be uh, Varsity Blues, but yes. that, that I don't whole... want your life. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I'm not you saying look, they're going to... You gonna... look a little bit like, you got a little Vanderbeek in you, Will. A little bit. You little got bit. a little Vanderbeek, like, you got a little Dawson's Creek Vanderbeek level there, well, like, you know, a little bit of Johnny Moxon in you. You don't want to see me upset, you don't want to see me crying, um, so, you know, that that's... Uh, don't do you want to turn into that meme. crying face? Wait, do you? I, no, I can't. I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to get me, Mike. This is my well, no, podcast. No, 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 no. I'm well, not I just Boston need to know if that's what happens in general because now I have a goal for when you come out to Falcons <laughs> practice to get yeah. the Dawson Leary, Will McFadden crying face. That absolutely just devastate me to the point of of that face coming out. I mean, that um, sounds so mean, but if you've, if you've watched Dawson's <laughs> Creek, if you are of a certain vintage, you know what I am talking about, and it's great. It is And then great. it can be memed, and it's, it could be a whole thing, Will. I, I could be, yeah, I could be the face of, well, no, I don't think the Falcons want that to be the face of their season. That's kind of the the face of like the Houston Texans season last year. Um, and, and they, they don't want to be anywhere near that. So, um, no, let's, let's try not to, not to get that face out of me, but yeah, I, I again, I, I don't think it's going to be the, the whole like John Voigt, get them out there, whether, you know, no. their bone is sticking through the skin or not. Like it's just that Uber conservativeness, right? I think they yeah. could maybe dial a little bit closer back to the middle but but again like like you said every player is different every scenario is different so right here it's all speculation i mean put it this way right like arthur smith for the last two plus seasons even said it again today is they're going to not put a player in a position where they you know they're not comfortable they can hurt themselves more i mean he's so steadfast in that whenever he should be that's the right thing my point is if there's one thing that i think the public has learned about arthur smith certainly something i've learned about him is He's not going to like move off of his conviction on something 
like he'll evolve, his thought process will evolve. But if he believes in something and that's something that's a tenant that he believes in, he's not going to like shift off of that. So I don't get the sense that that will happen because that you want to, the quickest way to lose a locker room is exactly is to do something like that because all the players see it. All the players know. I mean, I've covered enough coaches and enough teams uh, throughout my 20 years doing this in multiple sports, but certainly football. And I've seen that happen where players no longer trusted what was going on. And, you know, it, it hurt. It hurt everybody involved. And I don't get the sense that we'll see that in Atlanta so far. I mean, through the first two years. No. Yeah. And I, I don't think that we will either. And it's one of the things that I you know respect about Arthur Smith is, is that, you know, generally like he kind of backs up what he what he says. He's not yes. saying one thing, doing another. And it won't just impact the locker room. It'll impact free agents. Right. Because that'll get out. That'll get around the league and guys aren't going to want to come here. And that is something that I think they've slowly done a decent job of making this a little bit more of an attractive free agency destination, at least certainly to, to some guys like a Calais Campbell or like a, a Jesse Bates or, or somebody like that choosing to come here for various sure. money, reasons. Money helps too. There, Money well. does help. That's the various uh, part money in there. But um, speaking of Calais Campbell and Caleb Huntley. So Caleb Huntley, obviously not with the team anymore, released after the failed physical designation. Uh, Calais Campbell, different reason. You seem to have information that says it's not super duper serious. Um, so that's, that's good. Let's start with Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, when can fans expect to maybe see him back? No, idea. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. We do know he's there because he was mm-hmm. there on Tuesday. He talked to the media on Tuesday and listen, which is a great within, sign. Well, I would say you were within the Falcons building. So you understand this better than, than I do. Even there is 0.00 chance that the Atlanta Falcons trot Calais Campbell out <laughs> on the first right. day if they don't think he's going to practice for a while. Like yeah. there's no chance that that happens, right? Especially because it's not like he is a Grady Jarrett where he's been around for, you know, 10 years or nine years or eight years in Atlanta. Where right. like, all right, that's the face of your team. Like Calais Campbell's been here for four minutes. So <laughs> yeah. you're not going to put him out there if you think it's a long-term thing. I, Arthur Smith mm-hmm. again today even said, hey, listen, it's a little bit of a personal thing. He's going to start a little bit later. That to me is, I'm not really worried about that at all because also here's the thing with the Calais Campbell, like we talked about before, same thing I think with Cordero Patterson, same thing maybe even a little bit with Kyle Pitts because he's coming off of injury, maybe even a guy like a Michael Walker who's coming off of injury, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're going to see them handled certain ways. And we saw that last year with Isaiah Oliver in, in terms of how they've handled him. So Calais Campbell, to me, whatever, the only thing that matters, right? And this is so important. If people take anything from this podcast that we're doing, the most important thing from training camp is this. Your top 30 guys are available for week one. That is the only thing that matters in training camp. And if Calais Campbell is not available for week one because you worked him too hard in training camp, well, then that's a failure on your part. Yep. If, he, if he practices and he gets hurt, like, so be it. I mean, that happens. But you, you don't want that to happen. And a guy who's of Calais Campbell's age, the amount of snaps he's played in his career, the amount of snaps he's trying to play this year, he knows what he needs to do. You know what you need to do with him. I'm not worried about it. Now, if he hasn't practiced in two weeks, then let's have a conversation about it. But I'm not worried about it. 
Yeah, I don't think anybody should be really necessarily worried about it. Again, yeah. like the fact that he that he spoke, that is another sign, right? That yes. yeah, he's he's closer than he is further away. If it was very very serious, there's no way they'd be putting him out there. Like why? Absolutely, yeah. No, if it was very very serious, the the way you, that you're trying to get him is not through the Falcons. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Caleb Hunley, the other situation, and we don't have to spend too much time on this because there's you know really not much more that that is out there. But do you think there is any possibility that given, you know, how much affinity the Falcons do have for what Caleb Huntley did last year and what he's done with his, or since joining the organization that they could reunite at some point in the future? At some point, sure. I mean, right, listen, right now, Caleb Huntley's not healthy. Mm-hmm. He's not. I mean, I, I talked to people close to him throughout the offseason. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, remember, if you remember back in May and June, Arthur Smith was kind of even hinting that, that Caleb Huntley might be ready. And that always seemed unrealistic to me. Pulp for him always seemed like that was going to be where it started. Um, now, I'm not sure exactly what transpired. I've tried to find out, and no one has really talked to me yet about what transpired to go from Pup for him to, to cut. Do I, do I think that at some point they could end up back together again? Sure. But if they're healthy at running back, and then they might not need to go that direction. You know, and it's possible Caleb Huntley finds another home at some point too. Now, I don't think he'll be ready for a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a guy that I imagine if he doesn't end up back in Atlanta, ends up on the tryout circuit at some point this year. He's talented back. Um, I would put it in not never say never category, but it's not like one of these like fait accompli situations where it's obvious he's going to be back and they did this for X or Y because if they really like they could have just held on to him. Yeah. You know, um, like they could, they, they very easily could have gone because here's the thing too, right? They didn't go a one for one. It's not like they cut Caleb Huntley yeah. and brought in another running back. They cut Caleb Huntley and uh, brought in the, you know, Michael Pruitt, who's like their 19th tight end right now. Uh, <laughs> could very well end up making the team again. Don't get me wrong here, right? Like he has a very clear chemistry right, with Desmond yeah. Ritter and, and knows what he's doing. And Arthur Smith likes him and can, he can be, he's very much kind of your Johnny Smith backup in, in a lot For of ways. For sure, 100%, yep. You know, where um, I, I think that you've got, to me, you've got five guys right now in that tight end mix. Mm-hmm. Two that are locks, really, maybe even three, because I think it would take a Hesse. lot for them not to keep Parker Hesse. Yep. Uh, and then you've got Michael Pruitt in there. You've got, you know, maybe a John Fitzpatrick in there. You still have Felipe Franks in there, uh, as much as that might, you know, irk some fans. Like, remember, this is a dude who's making a, a massive transition. Like, let's see what he right. looks like here in camp. And you got Tucker Fisk in there. Like, so th- th- there's there's options here. And right now, the running backs on the roster are Bijan, Tyler Algier. Uh, what the heck's his name? Uh, Carlos Washington. Washington. Yep. Washington, and then a couple fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And Cordero. So one would look at that potentially and say, hey, if Caleb Huntley's healthy and they need a running back or feel they need a running back, they know what they have in him. But also, mm-hmm. it would not shock me if a week from now we see them – as injuries happen, right? Because they always do. Like, not all ninety of these guys are going to be healthy throughout all the camp, throughout camp. That's 
odds would say that would be very unlikely. Maybe they bring in a running back at that point. And there's some very good veteran running backs that are hanging out there too right now. So, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, and not just not just Dalvin Cook. <laughs> you know, I don't see them bringing in a Dalvin Cook, frankly, um, unless they had major injuries at the position. But, like, you know, like, I mean, you have a Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, I don't believe that's a team. Like, you know, there, there are a bunch of guys. No, there's, guys. There's, yeah, there's like six. That's, really part, of, that's part of the issue with running backs, right? Not to go down that. Although, you know, if you paid attention to the press conferences today with Kyle Smith or Arthur Smith, uh, you know, there, there was a bunch of questions about the running back situation in terms of league-wide with contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and none of them bit on it, nor should they, frankly. That, that was probably smart on their part. But to me, yeah, I, I'm not – I, this is a long answer for saying it would not shock me if he came back. It would also not shock me if this is the last we saw of Caleb Hunt in Atlanta. I, there, there's so many other things that can happen mm-hmm. between now and then that I think would dictate any sort of that conversation. And and that's why, frankly, and you and I talked about this like off air right before hitting record. Having a conversation today after day one of training camp is almost like a little bit superfluous and a moot point. Because this was your just, idea, not mine. It, it was because no, it's it's the content, man. The content monster <laughs> it, it needs to be fed. Um, but yeah, there's just so much that it, it's all a chain reaction. One thing triggers yeah. four other things, and then each one of those has four other out. Like it all just branches from here. But if Caleb Huntley is like an unfortunate casualty of you know the success that Tyler Algier had, and then drafting Bijan Robinson and bringing Cordell, like it's so crowded back there that as much as he was a fan favorite last season and, and really kind of did the most with his chances, maybe that benefits him somewhere else. And he does get that opportunity, like you mentioned, or, you know, maybe that just means the Falcons have somebody who's not on the roster, but on the radar that they can always bring in in a pinch if they need to. Or it might just mean that, you know, listen, average NFL career is three years. I'm not saying exactly. that to me. Right. Caleb, I like Caleb Huntley a lot. Like I've really enjoyed Getting to know him, I think he's talented, but the guy's coming off of an Achilles. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. And I mean, I've heard possibly there was a se- a separate little issue going on too. Like, so there's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sitting there. Like I know some fans are like, oh no, what? You can't do that with every player. Right. You can't because, you know, uh, but that said, I don't think this is it for Caleb Huntley in the NFL. I think he's talented enough to get another shot. It's just a matter of where it is and when, and, and is he healthier? For sure. Um, let's let's talk real quick though about the the newest running back um, in the mix for Atlanta, and that's Bijan Robinson. How did he look out there? And again, I know it's only one day, and they're in shorts, and it's not even worth yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, listen, just give the fans I, you, a little you saw, you saw, it's similar to what we saw in the spring, which is he's lining up all of this, mm-hmm. and, and that's what they're going to do. He's don't, you can't. I've said this to anyone who will listen. I've said this on ESPN radio where you can catch me filling in. I don't know when this all is dropping. <laughs> yeah, I, all the time. But this week I'll be filling in on uh, it's Wednesday right now. I'll be filling in Wednesday night and Thursday night from 7 to 9, Friday night from nine, from 10 p.m. to 9 or 10 p.m. to, to 1 a.m. And then Saturday night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. and Sunday night from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. So wherever you listen <laughs> to ESPN radio, if you get ESPN national or Sirius XM channel 80, you know, give a listen. There's my plug. But, uh, and Will's going to cut that plug more than likely, but, Heck no. Uh, <laughs> but no, in all, in all seriousness, I, it's tough to gauge at this point, yeah. but Bijan Robinson is not a running back. You need to stop looking at it in terms of convention. When you're talking about running back receiver and tight end, when you're talking about this team, they're pass catchers, they're offensive options. That's what they are. 
And Bijan Robinson is one of, to me, maybe their third offensive option behind Pitts and London. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly in the passing game. And he looks good. You know, you can see it. You can see the talent. It's obvious. He was, again, one of the last, if not the last player off of the field catching passes on the jugs machine. That's been a constant anytime there's been an open practice. Uh, and that's something I'm kind of paying attention to, to see if it's a day, every day a thing. Like, he, he, he wants it. He's super talented, man. But we won't know for sure, you know, for a little while what that role actually looks like. But I, I will say this. Do not be surprised if Tyler Algier still leads the Falcons and carries. Yeah, I, that's the sense I get to. Because Bijan Robinson's going to potentially be their starting slot too. Like, so he's a guy that they're going to line up everywhere. And like, think of what they did with Cordero Patterson in 2021. Like, they can do more of that with Bijan than with Cordero. Just maybe not in like tight end formation but they can move him a little bit outside. Like they, they can do a ton with him. And I think they're going to, and that, that's been the, that from day one, from when they drafted him, Arthur Smith has said that. They view him as an impact player. It's similar to Jameer Gibbs in, in Detroit. He's going to line up everywhere. So to me, he if he ends up with 180 carries and 60 to 80 targets, that's, a pretty darn good workload for him. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I I did the math. And I'm pulling um, those numbers out of thin air. Under understand that I haven't mathed this yet, but like that. But I'm just saying it's going to be more of a hybrid situation than than what you think from a running back, and you're just going to have to get used to that. So these are these are purely carries from last season. But Tyler Algier led the team, two hundred and ten. Cordero Patterson, one hundred and forty four. But then you had three players: Marcus Mariota, Caleb Huntley, Avery Williams will not be out there on the field. None of those three will be out there on the field, except maybe Caleb Huntley, like we just talked about. But you get my point. 183 carries for those three players. Yeah. That's that's Bijan right there. 183, 180 on the ground. like, And then yeah. you add another well, and, and, 80, and, 70. Well, yeah. I mean, more or less, because they're going to, I think they're going to run less this year than they did last year. I do too. And, you know, there's just going to be a little more balance. But don't forget, Cordero had like next to no targets last year. Because they had to use him almost as a running back, especially after he came back from injury. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like. Go look at the Olamide Zacchaeus targets, and that a lot of that target share may end up heading toward uh, Bijan yeah. Robinson as well. You know, but don't forget too when you're talking about this, they played half the season without Kyle Pitts. You know, their their number two wide receiver situation was a mess. I think less of a mess. Like people are underestimating Matt Collins, although, you know, Matt Collins right now is your fifth or sixth pass catcher. And these people are like, oh, they need a number two wide receiver. I'm like, do they though? Do no, I'm being serious because right now, yeah. like you only have so many, you know, throws to go around. And Drake London and Kyle Pitts, if they have anything less than like 150 to 160 targets each, less anything less than that, then that that means either they were hurt or they were criminally underused or under-targeted. And then you've got Jonu Smith and you've got Bijan. Well, yeah, you don't need a number two wide receiver in name it's, because it's you a have semantics, everywhere yeah. else. It's a semantics thing. And I've been guilty of that as well, is when you just look at, all right, the depth chart and you're like, wide receiver. Well, okay, there's not that many names. That, but it, again, you have to look at it in its totality. And Arthur Smith said himself, like, essentially you can combine the wide receiver, the tight end and the running back room. They're all versatile guys. Like we I've just been saying that they, yeah. they can go, you know, it is amazing depending how they line up. 
depending what personnel they have in that a personnel grouping. I think we've talked about this. Mm-hmm. If they have a personnel grouping of Cordero Patterson, B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and either Mac Hollins or Johnu Smith, say that's your your grouping of five, right? Yep. They could go from jumbo to empty. Yeah, they they can want any sort of variation. Yeah, especially if it's Johnu instead of uh, of Mac. They can literally go jumbo to empty. Yep. And what do you do if you're a defense? Like that is what they've been aiming for. And they have that now. And and they have, again, Matt Collins is big enough that you can do that with him. Yeah. And you can be Johnny. You can even do that arguably with with Parker Parker Hesse. Yep. You know, you can do that with Keith Smith because Keith Smith can line up three or four different places. 100%. That's the thing. Like, and, and you can do it with Algier, too, because he, he's a little bit underrated as a pass catcher. A lot of people don't talk, but yeah. he's run some routes and you can run some short stuff. Like, and he's a big enough, he's like you know, stocky dude. Um, <laughs> but they have, I mean, Tyler Algier is the closest they have to a guy who's a one position player. Like yeah. everyone else they have can line up more. Like it's, that, that's what they've been trying to build toward. And it's why if Desmond Ritter is average. Average. It's why I think that their offense ends up being really good because they built so much insulation for him to be to learn. We'll call it that. Yeah. Well, and also these little incremental advantages that they're going to be able to build into these game plans for exactly reasons we just pointed out. Like teams love to catch defenses in disadvantageous. Jesus, that's a hard. They word. try to uh, here. I'll be. They try to. Lever- they're trying to leverage defenses. That's what exactly. Yes. Thank you very much. They're they're just trying to catch guys in in a horrible look and then pedal to the metal. We're going to stay on the field, but also we can jo- we can change from empty yeah. to jumbo to heavy to I formation, whatever we want to do. And you guys are stuck in that look. So exactly. let's- you're, starting, you're starting to see them try and build that defensively too with their linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most interesting things I saw today, and I mentioned it in my observations. I know Tori McElhaney from the Falcons mentioned. Hers as well, but is they were moving Michael Walker all over the place among linebackers. So all of a sudden, that gives you a whole bunch of you know you don't necessarily want Michael Walker covering someone, but he mm-hmm. he's Joni can pick he's Joni has good in ball ball skills ball instincts. You know right. we've seen that the last couple of years. But all of a sudden, you got a guy in Caden Ellis who can line up anywhere as a linebacker. Yep. You know you, you, they're kind of, it looks like he's going to be a coverage linebacker and inside linebacker, but he can run. We know he can rush the passer. You know, I mean, Lorenzo Carter going from a defensive end to an outside linebacker. They're offering themselves so much flexibility, even in that front seven, mm-hmm. that that ends up being super intriguing. To, like, they are just yeah. trying to build. I, I mean, I remember talking with Arthur Smith. I asked him about this. I think it was in 2021. Maybe it was last year. And we were talking about kind of the evolution of basketball. It was during a press conference. Yeah. I'd asked him about like Memphis and stuff like that. They are, it feels like they are trying to recreate, kind of do to football what basketball, what happened in basketball about 10 years ago, where positions no longer matter. 100%. Yep. And, and that to me, other than like quarterback and your lines, right? Like that, that's it. Just get your best guys out there. If, if your best, if you're Kevin Durant and you can handle the ball as well, and if we are better served by getting another guy out there, yeah. From a skill position standpoint on offense, they've done that. Yep. But on defense, it really even feels like within reason they're they're trying to do that. And they've hinted at it. I mean, Arthur Smith even said it when DMP's retired. They're aiming for hybrid players. Mm-hmm. And I think that they they did, they showed that in free agency. I mean, even a guy like Jesse Bates, 
he can play in the box. He can play. He can play back. You know, I mean, they've got they have a nice problem at safety. Although you know, it looks like it's going to probably be Richie Grant and Jesse Bates as the starters. Jalen Hawkins is a guy who had an interception today. He's that. If you want to go with a three safety look and have Richie play down in the box or Jesse play down in the box, well, that's yep. great. You have Jalen Hawkins who has. So much Which experience. the Saints, the Saints did a good bit of last year. I've been yeah. going back and watching I mean, some and Saints then, defense. They use their safeties a lot and a third yeah. safety a lot as well. And they and they have good depth at that interior corner spot, whether they use a third safety or D. Alford or Mike Hughes. Yeah. You know, I, really, the only spot where you're like, oh, I don't love their depth is probably an outside corner. Yeah, I mean, but even then, like a. Yeah, I mean, Cornell Armstrong, you don't want playing a ton of snaps, but like he's well, yeah, not. I mean, right, right now, he's your fourth corner. Right now, he's their fourth right. outside corner. Yeah. You know, Darren, him and Darren Hall might be competing for one job. Right. Because, it, you know, or, or maybe Trey Flowers, but I think Trey Flowers is going to make him this team. He's a tall, lanky guy. Um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out. But, but yeah, this is a team that, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. It's been one day because their offense also looked, you know, kind of today. So, um, yeah. you know, I it's one day – as I like to always say, we'll, you know, get back to me in two weeks and, and maybe we'll have some sort of sense of something here. Hopefully. Um, I will take you up on that. I'll, I'll just go ahead and jot it down, schedule for two weeks. Um, no, just, but let's end here. What are some of those position battles, right? Where, you know, in two weeks time, things could be looking a lot different. What are, you know, give me maybe three position battles yeah, where I you mean, think things are going to change. I would say probably left guard turns into one, although if Matt Hennessy is able to to do what I think he can do, he probably holds on to that job for now. Mm-hmm. Um, they drafted Matthew Bergeron. They clearly like him. Second round pick. But they've also shown they have no problem trying to sit a second round pick because if they think it's going to be a development thing. Matt Hennessy's in a contract year. So they've already paid a guard a massive amount. Now, I don't think Matt Hennessy would cost a massive amount, but still – you're you're building for the future. I actually asked Kyle Smith about that. Like how much do you look at future versus when you're in the draft where, you know, Matthew Bergeron may not play a ton this year mm-hmm. and he might be your starting left guard next year. Yeah. If he, you know, if that ends up being the case, I think ideally that's what they wanted to do with Jalen Mayfield, but they got forced into a bad situation and it's really hurt Jalen Mayfield. Who's now, who's now a right tackle mm-hmm. and his career may have, you know, kind of, damaged his career uh, kind of got it you know ended off the rails to begin with yeah yeah so so left guard I'll, I'll say that right now that is a competition but it might become kind of like what what some positions were last year a competition that ends up not ever being one mm-hmm. um because we've also seen that when they believe there's a competition they'll take it to the bitter end we saw that with Dalman and Hennessy last year they're, yep. they're they're not opposed to it if if they don't if, if they feel like they, they are there. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But I, I get this. There, there's not been any sense that Matt Hennessy's – this is Hennessy's job to lose in my opinion. Like a, a, last year, actually, that spot was exactly this conversation because we thought it was going to be a massive com- competition between Elijah Wilkinson and Jermaine yep. Feedy and, and maybe the loser of Hennessy and Dahlman. And Elijah Wilkinson won that job. He just couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. You know, and he won it like the second day at camp. Like it was like, yeah, it was just, oh, he's just in there with yeah. the first team and he has been for two weeks. Let's stop charting it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I still charting it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Point, point B. Um, so that's one. Um, see, I think a lot of their starters are not necessarily quote unquote set, but they're set. Yeah. Uh, to me, or at least there's some positions where it's understood it's just going to be a rotation. Right. right. Like I don't yeah, know if yeah, we have yeah, to yeah, say yeah. the starting edge guys because right. like all of them are going to be in the mix. Right. Like to me, I'm more interested. 
right now, and maybe this is like the the, the nerd in me when it comes to this sort of stuff. Like, I'm really interested in what does like what does that what does the edge rusher battle actually look like? We know Arnold Abiquete and Lorenzo Carter and Bud Dupree, they're there, right? Yep. Like, and depending on the formation, it's going to be two of those three that are going to be on the field. But beyond that, what does that look like? Like, because, like, to me, Ade Ogundeji has to have a really good camp to make this team. Like, in my opinion, right? So, like, that mm-hmm. edge rusher situation, because they still need to figure out how they're getting sacks, right? Like, not, none of these guys are proven other than Bud a little bit, but Bud hasn't been healthy. Right. You know, so like, what does that look like? So kind of that edge rusher rotation is interesting to me. Um, the backup corner spots are interesting to me. I'll be curious to see if there ends up being a competition at inside linebacker between Michael Walker and uh, probably Caden Ellis, because I think yeah. it's Troy, Troy Anderson's got one of those spots locked up. Um, what that looks like and if they decide to rotate there, but that's, an interesting situation to me. Um, like, I feel like they're three, honestly, uh, they're, they're down linemen. If they're going to run a three, four are kind of set, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, where it's Omenyata, Brady, Brady. Yep. And then some combination of Calais and Taquan, or maybe Lorenzo Carter, depending on down distance and opponent, frankly. Right. Because if you're playing, say you're playing a run-heavy team, say you're playing the Bears again, well, you're probably going to maybe want to have Taquan, who's a better run stopper, on the field more. You yeah. know, and so that's the, those are things, but those are like situational things, not like definitive positions, right? Like I think people yeah. want there to be a, a wide receiver two competition, and maybe there will be. An interesting thing that today is it sounds like they want to try and get Kadero Hodge more opportunities. Um, they feel I'm like not, I'm should. not against that. Yeah, I mean, to me, but like to me, he's he's your perfect number four receiver, right? Yeah. Like like that, and, that, and that's not a knock on on Kadero at all. Like I mean, because he's a very valuable special teams player. But like some of that, like I'll get fine. Punt returner is a very interesting battle to me because I think that could decide and end up shaking out and butterfly affecting into like two or three different roster receivers. Mm-hmm. Because if let's for argument's sake, Josh Ali wins that punt return job. Well, Josh yeah. Ali is then probably your fifth or sixth receiver. And that might cost a guy like a Frank Darby his job, a job. I'm just throwing out a name, right? Yeah, or right. somebody um, on the bubble. Yeah, like, like you know, or I mean, maybe even Scotty Miller, like depending, because now they have Bijan, you know, how much do you want Scotty Miller, even though he's more of a stretched field guy? You know, like that, it, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of some of those machinations. Like if... I'm, I'm trying to remember. They didn't really run any return stuff today. I'm trying to remember back from my notes. Like, say a DB wins, say Mike Hughes mm-hmm. wins the job, like wins a returner job, or D. Alfred wins the return. D. Alfred, yeah. Return. Well, okay, that that allows you some flexibility, right? But say there's, um, like, I think Kelly and Harris was was back there, right? Yep. Like at or some Penny point. Hart or somebody. Right. Like, yeah. Like one of those guys wins the job. It's similar to Josh Ali. Well, all of a sudden, okay, that shakes everything up, you know? And, and now that's a guy you, you weren't necessarily expecting exactly. to make it otherwise. Right. And, and listen, injuries are going to dictate some of this too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. because that's the thing. Don't, and also, when we're talking about the 53 initially, 
remember, they 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 cut a bunch of people last year that you're like, oh, I can't believe they cut them. And then they're back on the roster 48 hours later because they had to put five guys on IR. Yeah. Like, so that that's part of this too. In so I, I know we're kind of delving off into a different topic, but that but that's the thing right now. I, I just I don't know how many posi- true position battles there are. Like that's not a bad thing. Like that's no, not a bad I mean, I, I guess fullback may be a position battle. I knew you wanted to say I, fullback. I think, I, but I think it's Keith Smith's to clearly lose. I agree. Yeah. Um you well, because you're in year three now, like there are the guys like a Parker Hesse or like a Keith, like the guys who have done what they've been asked to do, and you really don't have any clear upgrade or anything like that over them. So yeah, like there, we don't have any reason right now to believe they're not going to be around. Right. So, it's, it, I think it's more. It's not position battles as much as guys who have what I would call the D. Alford Cornell Armstrong situation, right? Because Last year at the start of camp, Cornell Armstrong looked like he was going to be the fifth guy, right? Like the fifth corner. And then mm-hmm. what did D'Alford do? D'Alford made an interception like five straight days. <laughs> he did. And all of a sudden, no, but, but seriously, he, he, did. Put, he played himself into a position and then Cornell mm-hmm. Armstrong got hurt. Right. But he played him, he pushed and pushed and pushed and guys maybe didn't play as well. And all of a sudden, they created a position battle where maybe one wasn't there before. So if you want to talk about that, tight end is a spot where that could happen, mm-hmm. right? Because we do, there's so much there, and we know how Arthur Smith likes his you know, tight ends. Um, left guard is a spot where that can happen. Yep. Depth corner is a spot where that can happen. Edge rusher is a spot where that can happen. Safety, you want to talk about position battle? I, I think safety could be between Richie and and Jalen Hawkins, but both those guys are going to be on the team unless for some reason they had a great trade offer for them, right? Yeah. But and it would probably be to me Hawkins, who's in the last year of his deal, versus Richie Grant, who they really like a lot. Like, mm-hmm. so, and they like Hawk too, don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But it's not but, these like starting jobs anymore necessarily. Right. It's not it's like more it's, these yeah. big roles behind the starters. Right. I, I mean, but the back end, oh, that now that back end of the roster is fascinating, but so much of that's going to be dictated by stuff we don't know yet. Injuries, yeah. special teams, uh, you know, how they want to maybe look week one versus week three because they have practice squad, you know, like there's, there's so many machinations there that that's going to be fascinating. To me. It's, it's all we've speculated now for the last 15 minutes. <laughs> no, it's, it's a crazy, like twisted up, just wound up like all of questions. And yeah. I can't wait to start pulling in some of those threads and figuring out some of those answers with you, um, which we'll be doing later this week when I join you up in Flowery Branch um, to finally lay eyes on the team myself. But until then, Mike, this was a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you've been doing a lot already today, so I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, But I really do appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to do it. That will do it for us today on Believe in Falcons. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching over at YouTube. Again, check that out. Thank you again to Mike Rothstein for popping by and sharing some insights into the start of Atlanta's camp. Uh, Again, I'm going to be up there Friday, Saturday. Check it out myself. Um, Planning on having another show recording on Saturday. So that may drop Saturday afternoon, may drop Sunday. Um, But just want to kind of give once we've had our first four day block of training camp, give you guys the fallout um, from all of that, the news, the notes, 
everything um, coming out of Flowery Branch. So that is what we've got on the docket. That's what's coming up next. Until then, please spread the word about the podcast. Tell everybody where they can find us, which is anywhere they get their podcasts. Um, in the meantime, you can also follow me on Twitter at Will McFadden. Um, but yeah, Falcons football is back. A lot of fun stuff coming down the pipe. Stay on the lookout for more shows on this feed. Next one coming Saturday. This one, as always, was presented by Bet Online. That'll do it for me today. Until next time, everybody, take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.